Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast presented by Freedom Life Church. We hope you find today's message uplifting and encouraging as we dive into God's Word together. If you need any information about our church or this message, please go to wearefreedomlife.com. Now let's get right into it. All right, what a wonderful, wonderful morning we've been having so far. How many just sense a wonderful presence of the Lord this morning and excitement in the air? I sense there's an energy, but I also realize that when there's a a lot of people, there can be distractions. And so I want us to be aware that when we, as we enter into the word here, let's try to stay focused on what it is that God wants to tell us. If there's too much movement and running around, uh, it can distract others also. So I want to invite you to just take a moment and, uh, and just settle into what we're about to go as we go to the word of the Lord. Amen. How many got your Bibles with you? Who's got their Bibles with them? All right. Who's got the Bible that lights up? Anybody? Don't like Paper? Plastic? Okay, never mind. Titanium? Anybody? No? Okay. Most of us in this room are, uh, aren't farmers. Most of us in this room, and uh, including, <laughs> including myself, I'm not a farmer. But there is something I recently found out that... Um, about the harvest that really made me think about something that I believe affects all of us when it comes to our Christianity and our faith. The harvest uh, begins in the Bible, in the Bible sense, the harvest begins with the feast of the Passover and ends in Pentecost. It's around that window of time. But here's an interesting thought that I begin to kind of think about as I was preparing this message called the heart of the harvest, the heart of the harvest. The harvest is a season of joy. In fact, the heart, the heart of God is, uh, is often found when we find true joy. Okay. When we find that joy, it's usually because we found something that God has called us for, something that God has set us up for. And, and in the middle of the will of God. How many have ever found yourself in the middle of God's will and you're like, I want to stay right here in the middle of God's will because that's where God uh, unfolds his plan in my life, right? You ever felt that way? I know there's times I felt where I wasn't in the will of God. How many have felt that before? It's very uncomfortable, very icky, very difficult um, to process. And then you often think either, am I doing something wrong? Have I done something to upset God? Uh, will he ever forgive me? Uh, can, can I get out of this rut by myself? Uh, you know, and then what happens is we try to make excuses like, oh, it's because I haven't went to church enough. Now I need to go to church so everything will be fine again. And then you go to church and stuff is still going wrong. And then you try to figure that out and you realize it's not just church attendance. Church attendance will help you get closer to God, absolutely, 100%. But it doesn't fix all the problems because if the problem is in you, then you have to give that to God. So no matter where you find yourself in your location, this still stays the same. If that still stays the same, then we still got the same issues. Who's with me so far? So when we talk about the heart of God, when we talk about the harvest, the harvest is actually a season of joy. If we look at Psalms 126, and Isaiah 9, verse 3, we look at that and we actually can see 
that the harvest is a season of joy. This really made me think about it because it led me to believe that when Christ himself says that the harvest is plentiful, we often only see that, um, we often only put that in the idea that there are people, a lot of people to reach. Like the harvest is plentiful. And we know that that's what he means when he's saying that. He's saying the harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of people to be reached. There's a lot of people that need to know who Jesus is. And how many would agree with that? Some of you have coworkers. Some of you are like, oh, God. And that's just when you're in a good mood. Right? So you have, you have people around you realize there's people that need Jesus. And so the harvest is plentiful, meaning there's a lot of people that need to get saved. But I believe that it goes even further than that. When he says the harvest is plentiful, meaning there's a lot of joy to be had. Because when you start to love God by loving people, and you share that love, and you share that joy that he's giving you, bringing them to Jesus you're harvesting souls, but you're also harvesting joy for yourself. Are you with me? So we often look at the harvest being plentiful as somehow the idea that oh, our only job is just to win souls for Jesus. But guess what? Yes, while that is a main priority of the church is to win people, to bring them to Jesus. But he also has something for you. And that, that part for you is the joy of sharing that and the harvest, the joy is plentiful for you too. So while the salvation is available to them, the joy is available to you. Not good? I think what we have to realize is that when we start trying to serve God and realize in some way, shape, or form that, man, I'm feeling like it's just a job. It's just... I'm, I'm, I'm serving in this ministry, and it's just so rotten difficult. Can I ask you to maybe take a look at your heart, and maybe you've lost that joy because you forgot why you're doing it? Because the work of God should never be labor like that. It should never be that. Now, there are times that we often feel that way because we're, uh, we're trying to source from an empty well. We're trying to give and scrape. You ever, you ever had such a good leftover the next day? Come on, I, I like to talk about food. Come on, who's with me? If you're with me, follow, right? So you got this leftover and you're like, you're thinking about it. 11 o'clock is here. You're like, I don't know if I can wait till 12. And you got your leftover, right? You brought it in your little Tupperware. Right, and you brought it to work, and you got, and you're like, man, I'm already thinking about preheating. I'm in like coasting mode at 11:30. I'm like, I'm thinking the next 30 minutes, I'm gonna attack the kitchen, you know, with a giant fork, and like, you know, and so you kind of bring your leftovers, and you kind of just like, and you're like, every little bit, and you, 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 who's with me? Who's with me? Am I the only one? Y'all like fatty, and I'm like, no, no, it's okay. It's a good food. It's good food. It's good food. And so you got your leftovers, and you're scraping it. You're like, oh, every bit of that. Oh, you got to get that sauce in there. Got to get that sauce in there. And nobody's looking you like, that was good. Okay, move on. <laughs> I never did that, by the way. Just <laughs> moving along. Um, but you got every bit of it. Why? Because it's good. You got every bit of it because that's what you like and you love it. 
Can I tell you something? Ministry should be like that. It should be something that you do because you love it and you realize there's something available there. Loving people where they are, there's something about it. And I love this food box giveaway we've been doing. If you've not done it yet, right now we're, we're going until December. We're going to decide here if we can continue moving forward every month to do it. We're feeding 120 families a month with boxes of food and boxes of produce. It's amazing. That's, listen, that's a thank God, yes? How many can say praise God for that? Right? So that's awesome. But guess what? We can't give out of an empty well. Right? And so we got to give out of our heart, out of our, and I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about the gift of your time. I'm talking about be there to, to help be a part of that. You will never know what it's like to give that unless you're part of that ministry. You'll never know what true joy is unless you give of yourself that way. Well, you're sharing Jesus with somebody. So I want to talk about the heart of the harvest for a little bit here this morning because Jesus is trying to impress upon the hearts of the disciples in the New Testament that the importance of worldwide outreach goes far beyond their own culture, right? Because the Israelites and the people of Israel thought the only people that should hear the gospel is Israel. And then there are others. They should be the only ones, and they're the most important because every uh, those that are in the secular world their circle is the most important circle, right? So we're born with this innate ability to be selfish, right? So what God is saying when he goes into the scripture, you know what he's doing in the New Testament? He's realigning our and recalibrating our vision for what it means to love people. We don't just love our circle that are the people that we know. We love outside of that circle, that's a coming, he said, go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost or the ends of the earth, right? Why? Because he's pushing you out of your comfort zone. And so missions, it's not just what we collect monthly for our missionary. Missions is the extension of God's love to the world. Missions is the nearest and dearest thing to God's heart. He's been preaching and teaching and healing all day. Here's Jesus telling people about God, his father's love, right? He shared his burden with them. He said, uh, you know, we go, what's more important? Is it foreign missions or is it home missions? You missed the point then. If you have to ask what's more important, foreign missions or home missions, you missed the whole thing. Go back to the New Testament, start from Matthew. And start reading how Jesus made it about every soul. For God so loved the it didn't, world, right? It didn't say a specific. He loved the world. He didn't say a specific people. For God so loved Puerto Ricans. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and then if you just leave it there, then you're like, no, that's not what he said. Or God so loved this. Or God so loved that. But... No, he loved the world that he gave. His response to love is give. He loved, so he gave. And he gave his son. So when we look at this, I want us to look together at Matthew chapter 9. Because I need us to see, I don't know if we have that specific verse. Do we have that verse there? Uh, Matthew 9, okay, we do have it. Matthew chapter 9.
Verses 35 to 38, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease. He's no respecter of disease. He just said, I see a disease, I want to heal it. He was bulldozing diseases. He saw a disease, he's going to heal it. That's the Jesus I serve. Hello? That's the Jesus we pray to, and I invite you to pray to him too for every disease. And he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom and healing in every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, watch this, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. You know what he's saying? He's saying we have a lot of people to reach, but there's a lot of people that don't know that they're supposed to be used. So go tell them. So that's what I'm doing this morning. I'm telling you that God wants to use you. The heart of the harvest is the mission's work. The work of loving people right where they are. Listen, when you get your life right and you get, your, you get this done right in your life and you get, then you come to my church. No, no, no. Unfortunately, there are churches out there like that. All right? And some of you have been injured by those kind of churches that told you you need to be a certain way in order to be accepted. Can I tell you something? He accepts you right now, right where you are. Right here, right now, just as you are, he takes you just as you are. And good news? So while he takes you where you are, he loves you too much to leave you there. Right? If someone comes to the hospital with a gunshot wound, they come in. We're glad that they're still alive. Let's work on them. They don't, be, they don't lay them down on the table and they go, you got blood. Okay, we got, we got a pulse. Good. You're moving. Are you breathing? Yeah. Okay, we're going to just let you lay there. And we'll check on you in an hour. Do they do that? But, but the person's alive. The person's alive. Bare minimum. They're alive. <laughs> no, no, no. You need to go in. And now the work begins, right? So we don't come to church and be like, okay, I did my duty. Jesus, do what you do. Come on. Lord, I pray this soup is good. Oh, Jesus. So many soups. Speaking of that, Lord, you are super awesome. Um, oh, man, I hope the Eagles really pull this one off today. I just... Thank you, Jesus, Lord. Let that star fall. Let that star fall. Jesus, falling stars, Jesus. Has there been any praise that happened at that moment at all? Nothing's all about you, right? And some of you are like, wow, how'd you know what I prayed this morning? Stay focused. Stay focused, all right? These people. What I'm saying is, what we try to do is we come into the Lord's presence and just tell him what we expect him to do instead of waiting for him to tell us what's our next assignment and what he wants us to do. That's why we don't hear God because we're too busy telling him our agenda. The heart of the harvest is this. Listen closely. The heart of the harvest is I have an assignment 
listen up. Right? And that assignment has to do with other people. So see, when, when God deals with people, he deals with others through you. And then when you give of yourself that way, he then turns around and he says, you have a need. I see it. I know it. I love you and I want to help you. And he comes and he steps into your world and he changes and transforms everything that is happening in your life. How many are grateful for the, the God that does that sort of thing, the heart of the harvester? Yes? So let's look at this for a moment because uh, notice with me as I kind of just deal with three things because good preachers have three points and I really, really want to be a good preacher. So the first thought is simply this. The lost of the harvest. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not, bring a notepad next week. Write notes. I encourage you. There's something that happens when you write it. You hear it. You see it. And you write it. And you remember it a lot easier. There is a lost world out there that Matthew 9 tells us about. What we just read, right? The lost of the harvest. Let's look at, if you look at verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Can I tell you something? Everywhere Christ went, there was always a multitude. That's the first thing. I need us to recognize. Everywhere Christ went, there was always multitudes. They followed because they understood that there was something different about the Savior. That's how come people that acknowledge Jesus as a high priest and a teacher, but don't acknowledge him as Savior, they have trouble because there was something about him that was so vast beyond Buddha, Muhammad, or anybody else that you want to bring to the table. He was so beyond all of them. So there were, there were everywhere Christ went, there was a multitude. They, they followed him. And great multitudes, Matthew 4, 25, large crowds from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the uh, Jordan followed him. Number two, great multitudes were gathered. Everywhere Jesus was, great multitudes gathered. And and, in Matthew 13, 2, it says, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat. He sat in it while all the people stood at the shore. He had to remove himself from the crowds because they were so big so he could be able to talk to them. Right? If you have about five people, you can gather and huddle and be like, here, guys, here's the deal, right? Y'all ever watch... uh, um, you ever watch a football team? They huddle, right? They bring their 11 players together, you know, and they kind of just like, here's the plan. That's a huddle, right? You can do that. But there were so many people, so many multitudes of people that he got on a boat and went backward. He had to go away from the crowd so he could be able to speak to them. Why? Because great multitudes gathered where the Messiah was. People knew that Jesus had something to offer. Third thing was great multitudes came up, came to him. And, and Matthew 15, 30, great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they laid him at his feet and he healed them. And then Matthew 19, 2, there were great multitudes that followed him. Large crowds followed him and he healed them there. We constantly hear about multitudes. Why? Because they understood he was different. So let me move on. He also, we hear in his verse that he was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. I was moved this week. I saw a video that I wish I'd never saw to some degree. 
but at the same time, it made me pray. Young girl, this just showed this young girl in Germany. She was being bullied by a bunch of people right on the video. Somebody was filming it. She was being bullied, slapped, punched, kicked. And then they had taken her warm clothes away from her. And she laid on the floor, and I could see as she was looking at the video camera, she was trying to find somebody to rescue her. Later, they found out they stabbed her 32 times, and she was on the side of the road there in Germany. I wish to heaven I didn't see that. I mean, they didn't show the video of that happening, but they reported that she had been killed and stabbed that many times and left on the side of the road. And I said to myself, what? Where am I living right now? And I said to God, literally, I sat in my recliner there and I looked at my television. And um, it was actually, I saw the video on my, my phone, but I looked up and I said, God, what is wrong with this world that we no longer value life anymore? Now, make no mistake, we've not valued life for a long time. When you kill 60 million babies a year, we have not valued life, but this was on another level, man. The girl wasn't doing anything. And so I look at that and I think to myself, what does God think when he sees his own killing his own? I get angry when my child says something rude to my other child. Let alone, can you imagine how God sees when one kills the other? But let's... Let's understand this happened from the beginning when Cain killed Abel. God's heart was broken. And so he's moved with compassion. He's moved with compassion. Let me move on. I'm going to skip some of the things that are a little bit, maybe not for this moment, but Matthew 14, 14, let's go there. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. God's response to God's response to us today when we are hurting is healing. God's, look at me. I need everyone to hear me. God's response when you're hurting is not good for you. You deserve it because you did something wrong. That's not God's response. In fact, that's not God. If you hear that voice, that is the accuser trying to keep you where you are instead of where you should be. That's not God's voice. You know where God is? God is in bringing us back. Because when he saw them broken and he saw them helpless, he healed them. And so if you find yourself hopeless today, struggling today, he wants to heal you. He wants to help you through it. I found out these stats recently. 151,600 people die every day. 6,316 people die an hour. 105 people die every minute. And nearly two people die every second. We don't have time to mess around. People need to hear about Jesus. When you give, when you serve, when you love, when you share Jesus with someone, you're helping these stats and their destination. Some of these stats won't change, 
but their destination will. You may not be able to change how many people die, but you can have an immediate impact on where they go when they die. Our model has always been love God, love people, change the world. And so what I realize is unless I love God, I have a difficult time loving people. And unless I love people, I will never change the world. So don't think you could do one and not do the other. It is a direct call for each of us to love God, love people, and change the world. When he said go into all the world, he didn't make it a suggestion. Well, Pastor Tony, I can't be a missionary. Maybe you can't be, but you know what you can? You know how you can go into all the world? Representation by giving and helping and serving. Even if it's a short-term missions trip. We got a trip planned for next year, a short-term missions trip. And we got a, 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 a foreign missions trip planned for the year ahead. So we're, we're looking at, we'll, you'll hear more about that in the future. We're planning that right now. We're looking toward that. But here's what we realize. That how will they hear unless we tell them? So some of you, for some of you, you know, you, you, you think somehow somebody else will take care of it. Can I tell you something? You're the somebody else. You're the somebody else. And so I ask you, when's the last time you wept over souls? The people that are literally dying. I know I need to pray more for those that I don't see. I pray for those I see. It's very easy. How many find it easier to pray for those you see than those you don't see, right? But the problem is we're not turning our head. We got to look and be mindful of the things of God. So number two, not only are we talking about the loss of the harvest, now we're talking about the lateness of the harvest. The harvest is great. How many know that the harvest is big? There's a lot of people that need Jesus, right? Luke 10, 2, and he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask for the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers. You know what he's saying? Pray so that God could use people. The harvest is great. The fields are white, ready for harvest. In John chapter 4, verse 35. And you know what's true? We are 24, and this is on the letter C here. We are 24 hours closer to the coming of the Lord than yesterday at this time. We're 24 hours closer. So you're saying, is Jesus, is, is he coming anytime soon? Yes, we're 24 hours closer. And tomorrow we're going to be 24 hours closer than that. And we don't know when he's coming, but D, we must be about the Father's business. Third thing is simply this. Now we focus on the Lord of the harvest. The Lord of the harvest. Here's what I understand. We will not always please man. How many believe that? How many believe we will not always please man? Right? Man will fail us. Mankind. Don't be like ladies. Be like, yeah, every man failed me. Okay, we're talking about mankind. So settle down. And the men are like, hey, dude. Women do it too. Mankind will fail us. Everybody. Every person. Under this planet, if you have a pulse, check it real quick. If you have a pulse, you will fail somebody. Everyone. But our motivation is not to please men. 
I love this verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. Listen to this. I don't have it on the screen. Listen to this. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people but God who tests our hearts. Did you hear that? We've already been approved by God. Stop trying to earn God's approval. You got it. That's the only approval we need. Right? So we got God's approval. Now what? You're going to try to get man's approval too? No. You know what you do? You forfeit God's approval if you want man's approval. You got one or the other. You, it's one or the other. I love you, but I don't need your approval as much as I need his. I need to be approved by the one who came and died for me. The one who set me free. The one who made me who I am and who I am to become. The one who gave me purpose and destiny, hope and a future, forgiveness and redemption. Life when I was dying. He's the one that gave it. No man gave it. No man can take it away. So am I supposed to forfeit that? For what? Attaboy. Way to go there, Mr. Tony. I need him to approve what I've done. But guess what? I don't need him to do it. He's already done it. I don't have to wait for something that's already there. He's approved me. Because I said yes. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. He alone. He alone. The first resolution you need to make as a believer is this. Listen closely. I resolve, and I think we have this. I resolve that I will no longer let other people press me into their mold. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. I need you to say it with me now. You with me? I need you to verbally, and when you say it, I want you to say it with deep conviction and understanding if this is what you believe. If you don't, stay quiet. We'll be past this in just a moment. But if you do, if you do believe that this is what you should stand for, you have to understand something, that not everybody will like you, and that's okay. In fact, that's a good thing. It means you're doing something right. Because if everybody likes you, something's wrong. If everybody likes you, something's wrong. So if you're with me, I want you to say it like you mean it. Don't be saying it like a coward. Say it like someone that believes it and has deep conviction. Are you with me? Pastor Tony, you're making me do a lot of things today. Get over it. We got soup, okay? Relax. We'll fix it up. Everything, soup makes a lot of things better. Especially chicken. I like chicken. Okay, let's move on. I resolve, say this loud like you mean it and say it with conviction. Say this with me. I resolve that I will no longer let other people press me into their mold. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. Now you say it without me. Ready? I resolve.
the world and the mindset of the world has no place in the kingdom of God. A worldly mindset has no place in your home. The worldly mindset has no place in your mind. The worldly mindset has no place in your playlist. Because that playlist plays over and over again. What voice are you listening to? What voice are you listening to? God must have first place or no place. The days of playing this lukewarm thing is over. It's too dark. It's getting late. And Jesus is coming soon. If you sin and you go to sleep okay with that, Romans 1 is already activated in your life. Your conscience has been seared and you need to ask God to help you. Because when your conscience is seared and you can sin with no problem, you need to come to God and say, God, help me. And I'm going to call it out. You ready? I'm going to call it out. If you worship things over God, that's idolatry, that's sin. Deal with it. If you're sleeping with someone that's not your spouse without being married, you're sinning, it's wrong, deal with it. If you think that there's more than two sexes, male or female, there is not. There is male, there is female, and figure it out. God said it clearly. There is no man for man, woman for woman. That's the word of God. Deal with it. Process it. Understand it. And know moving forward that we cannot compromise the uncompromisable word of God. We must stand for something or we will fall for anything. And there's a church out there, churches out there that are afraid to talk about it. But this here church, we will talk about it. We will talk about it. But pastor, that's a social political issue. No, every problem we have in our culture is a sin problem. And that is biblical and God is dealing with that. And it starts in the household of faith. You hear me? Because if we don't deal with it, who else is going to deal with it? Who's going to parcel what's right and wrong? Who's going to parcel what's godly, what's ungodly? Who's going to divvy out what's right and wrong? But the people of faith. Understand. That God has created every person in this room equal no matter what color you are, no matter what background you're from. He loves everybody and every life matters to God in every way, shape, or form. And we should too. I resolve that I will no longer let other people shape me. It is the Holy Spirit alone that shapes us. No one can serve two masters, Matthew 6. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Mammon, worldly possessions. It got real quiet, and I expected that. But if you're with me, shout amen.
He alone has all authority. All power has been given to me. He said in Matthew 28, 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Even the winds and the waves obey him. But God, why is it that this happens to me? Why is it that, that, that I'm on this boat and the storm come takes place? And Jesus comes out from the, from, from the bottom of the boat and he says, peace be still. And like, how did you do that? Because he spent time with the father. The heart of the harvester. How could you speak to someone's storm? You see, I want you to understand something. This storm wasn't Jesus' storm. This storm was the disciples' storm. Now, let me explain why I think that. They were the expert fishermen. Jesus was a guest on their boat. They knew how to fish. Jesus, carpenter. Right? It was their boat, their time, their specialty. When I walk into a doctor's office, I don't tell the doctor what to do. I don't care how many YouTube videos you've seen. You can't do that. But you don't understand. I, I read WebMD every single day and I watch... Chicago MD, and I've seen a lot of reality shows, and I'm a faithful watcher of the ER, you know, whatever. I don't care how many shows you watched. That man, that woman, whoever it is, that doctor knows what is happening. That's why they're in their specialty. Can I tell you something? Don't you come into God's house and tell God's house how, God how it's going to be. It's the heart of the harvester. And he's telling us today, stop acting up and start acting the way you're supposed to be and and move forward. Be who God has called you to become. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus in every book, and I'll close with this. In Genesis, he was the promised seed. Exodus, he was the Passover lamb. Leviticus, he was the scapegoat. Numbers, he was the brazen serpent. Deuteronomy, the lawgiver. In Joshua, the prophet, priest, and king. In Judges, he was the judge of all the universe. Ruth, he was the kingsman redeemer. Samuel, he was the anointer of the kings. Kings, he was the king of kings and lord of lords. In Chronicles, he was the great historian. Ezra, the rebuilder of the temple. Nehemiah, rebuilder of the wall. Esther, savior of the Jews. Job, friend that sticks closer than a brother. Psalms, song of the ages. Proverbs, truth. Ecclesiastes, the great teacher. Song of Solomon, the wonderful lover. Isaiah, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, he was the street preacher. In Ezekiel, rebuilder of the kingdom temple. Daniel, he was a stone cut without hands. In Hosea, he was a forgiving lover. In Joel to Malachi, he was the one coming in Bethlehem in Judea. New Testament. In Matthew, he was the king of kings. Mark, suffering servant. Luke, the son of man. 
John, son of God. Acts, power of the church. Romans, dynamite of the gospel. Corinthians, the restore of the carnal nature. Galatians, the rent veil, the overcomer, and the schoolmaster. Ephesians, he was the heavenly one. In Philippians, the efficiency. Colossians, he was the shadow. Thessalonians, the great coming of Christ. Timothy, the great appearing God. In Titus, the blessed hope. In Philemon, the great master. In Hebrews, the best of all. James, he was the fulfiller of the law. Peter, he was the rock of ages. John, he was the assurance of our salvation. Jude, he was the one that was able to keep you from falling. In Revelation, he was saddled as the one on the white horse. Jesus is everywhere. 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 Throughout the gospel, he commands for us to go. But how can we go unless we know? The word nations in the Greek is the word ethnos, which is the word ethnic. It's where we get the word ethnic. So when he said go into all the world, he's saying go to other people that are not like you. In Greek, the word always describes Gentile nations. Everybody, everybody needs to know. Unquestionably, God has taken the gospel and he said, tell every culture, every custom, every civilization, every race, every color, everyone in the world. And here's the good news. You are included for whosoever will. Rather than shun the people from these cultures because they're different, you need to be brave enough to face them and tell them there is a Jesus that loves them. Don't tell them just God loves you. Don't tell them God bless you. Tell them Jesus loves you because the world needs to define their Savior. Because you have defined them as yours. Stop playing hopscotch, ring around the rosy, and duck, duck, goose with the world, and thinking that somehow somebody will take care of it. I'm telling you right now, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, Romans 10. And I need you to know something. How can they be called unless... The one who they have not believed. How can they call upon the one that they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one that they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? Romans 10, 13 to 15 makes it clear. As it is written, how beautiful are those who bring the good news. You want beautiful feet? You want beautiful feet? Start telling people about Jesus because God is in every book. Is he in your chapter? Every day you write a chapter of your book. Today, it's 12 o'clock, right here, right now. I'm going to make this real simple. Here's the call. If you say to me today, Pastor Tony, I have not done my part in letting people know about God. I want you to get up out of your seat. Come join me at this altar right now. I'm not even going to wait. I'm going to wait 30 seconds and I'm going to pray. You, whether you're here or not, I'm going to pray 30 seconds. I want the heart of the harvester. I want the one who, who can show me and teach me and walk me in the rightful and willful way of the Father. I want to know the heart. 
Come on, church. Begin to pray. If you if you got your life set and you're all good, come as close as you can. There's a lot of people coming. Please, please fill in the fill in the gaps. Fill in the gaps. And I need our pastoral team. I need Nisa, Pastor Corey, just to be just stay right where you are and just start praying. Those of you at your seats, I need our prayer partners kind of surrounding. And I need you all that have come forward and and in response to this altar of uh, response here this morning. Uh, I need you to hear me and hear me closely. The heart of the harvester is available to those who really want to hear from heaven. Casual Christianity must die today. Casual Christianity will not fit the narrative of the, of the, of the biblical future we're about to embark on. You will either be for them or against them. And those who, who, who walk the, the line, they will fall by the wayside. They're not, they're not strong enough. They're not strong enough. The Bible is really clear that people will fall in the last days. They will walk away. They will fall. No, not, not even just walk away. Some will fall away. That means they didn't intend on this to happen. You ever made a mistake and you said it, it, was, it was a mistake. It, it, I didn't intend for that to happen, but it happened. There are people that don't intend to fall away, but they are. Because they lost the heart of the harvester. And the heart of the harvest is to love people starting with you. To love yourself enough to be honest so that you can be used by God. So if you're here at this altar, I'm going to dare you to step up with me in this. Lift up both your hands and begin to say, Lord, I want your heart come on begin to pray now in your own in your own words come on begin to pray some of you are like I don't pray out loud just pray loud enough for you to hear yourself but you need to say it with your mouth you need to say it with your lips and begin to say Lord of the harvest help me to have the heart of the harvest help me to have the heart of the harvest I'm sick and tired of living mediocre. Those of you at your seat, I need you to reach out your hands. If you if you got everything, you know, things are right in your life right now, that's great. Would you just extend the hand right now to those at the altar right now? And just say, God, help them to have the heart of the harvest. The heart for the harvest. J joy is accessible to you today if you just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Father, there's nothing else that we want more than to have your heart. There are people dying all around us. Yes, they're dying overseas. They're dying in other worlds and in the wars that are happening. Bombs are going off and people are dying. But God, there are people dying right beside me too. And Lord, personally, I've never seen so much death than I have in the last year. I've never seen so much death. Not just on the news, but in my own life. Just seeing it happen. We've never had more people affected by death here at Freedom than we have in the last year. God, I'm asking you today, help us to get our life right. To have your heart. And let other people know what it means to follow you what it means to love you. And Lord, I ask you to use me to reach my city. 
and my people and other cities and other people who are in the sphere of influence. Lord, we've made a mistake that thinking missions and the missions work only happens on the other side of the world. And we've missed the mass vision of the mission field that surrounds me every day. Now that I know you're calling me to invade every culture and every ethnic group, give me the power and courage to start reaching them with the good news. Lord, they may not like me, they may not accept it, they may laugh at me, but it doesn't matter what they think, I got your approval already. And now that I know I got your approval, help me to invade every sphere of influence that I have and share Jesus. I surrender to the call. And today I acknowledge that I'm your missionary to this world. Let me be everything you need me to be. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Lord, we lift up our hands, our voices, our hearts. Receive us unto yourself. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, begin to praise him right now. Say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We lift you up, oh God. You're a good, good father. You're a good, good father. You're a good, good father. Lord, may we feel the conviction more than just a nudge, but a deep-seated conviction that causes us to move beyond ourselves. Move us, oh God. Stir us and change in us. In Christ's name we pray. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I want the heart of the harvest. Help me to know what you need me to know. Help me to go where you want me to go. Help me to sow where you want me to sow. Use my hands and my feet. Use my mouth and my head. But take my heart. Somebody give them the biggest round of applause you can give them. Come on. Come on, give them the biggest round of applause. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to say one more thing. I hope you understand my heart. I know. I know I got rough around the edges a little bit. Got a little bumpy. A little bit of bumpy. But guess what? I will never take back anything I said. Because everything I told you was from the Father. You discern it, you take it and receive it. And however you want to break it up and chew on it this week, do it. If you're not in a life group, you will phase out and you will go empty. Try to find a way to get to a group of people. Even if we don't offer one here freedom, find a way to get together with somebody. Get get something there's something out there for you we have a wall committed to just opportunities for you to get connected alright I love you I deeply care about you and I pray that you find the heart of the harvest amen